The following message, entitled, For the Sake of Others, Part 13 of this series, O Church Arise, was given by Mark L. Trogi on the 5th of May, 2016. To learn more about our church, please visit sgcindianapa.org. This morning's message, we're back in our series from 1 Corinthians. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And this morning's message is called, For the Sake of Others. For the Sake of Others. Why do we do what we do here? Why do we want to have the the best children's ministry we can possibly have? Why... Why does our worship team come in here around 8 o'clock on Sunday morning and practice for two hours before the meeting to, to seek to have excellence, to sing and play with excellence? Why, why do we have a 4th of July outreach on the 3rd of July this year where we give away free food and have games for the children and inflatable bounce houses for the adults. No, those are for the children as well. Do we do these things so people will talk about what a great church we are? That, so people will say, man, that church has the best worship or that church has an incredible children's ministry. No, we do it all for the glory of God and for the sake of others to win more and more people to Jesus Christ. We do all we do for the sake of others. Obviously, first and foremost, for the glory of God. But we do all for the sake of others. And that's what drove the Apostle Paul to win more and more people to Christ. And so Paul would give up his rights. Even, we'll read this morning, even his Legitimate right to be financially supported. He said he became all things to all people to win them to Christ. He disciplined himself to run the race to win so that nothing would hinder people from believing in Jesus and all he has done for us. He did all that Paul did, he did for the sake of others. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, as we read Your Word this morning, we, we just need Your help. We ask for Your Holy Spirit to help us to, to enlighten us, to shine Your light upon Your Word, to, to speak to our hearts. We need Your help, Lord, to obey Your Word. And we just ask You, Lord, that You would stir us this morning through Your Word to serve others to do all for the sake of others, for Your glory, Lord. I need Your help. Please help me to preach and unpack Your Word for all of our, all of our sake, Lord, including mine, that, that I can do the things I'm talking about. We need You, Lord, and ask You. We know You want to bless us even more than we want to be blessed, and so we thank You. We thank You, Father, that You are a good, good Father. And so we just praise you in Jesus' name and thank you. Amen. 
So, for the sake of others, we're going to see, for the sake of others, Paul gave up his rights. For the sake of others, Paul became the servant of all. And for the sake of others, Paul disciplined himself. And so, first of all, the first 18 verses, it's a little bit longer section, but he's talking about how for the sake of others, Paul gave up his rights. And so he starts off by saying, am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are not you my workmanship in the Lord? If to others I'm not an apostle, at least I am to you. For you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. Now a few weeks ago, Bob did a great job. He taught that in 1 Corinthians 8, and this is what this is following on. It's following on 1 Corinthians 8, obviously. Paul exhorted the Corinthians to give up their freedoms. Give up their rights for the sake of loving others. Some were clinging to their right to eat meat sacrificed to idols in a temple because they had knowledge now as Christians that idols weren't real. That they, and so by eating meat sacrificed to idols in these temple quote, restaurants, they were causing weaker Christians to stumble and to sin by violating their consciences. Weaker Christians who thought, well, these guys are eating meat sacrificed to idols. They did not have the conviction of conscience. They didn't know that, that idols were not real. And so they were sinning by eating meat that they believed were sacrificed to other gods. So Paul says, you who have this knowledge that idols aren't real, give up your right. Even though, yeah, you could eat this meat sacrificed to idols. Give it up for the sake of others. For the sake of weaker believers. And so Paul's argument now in 1 Corinthians 9 is that I give up my rights as an apostle. I give up my right to be financially supported as an apostle for the sake of others. Remember, Paul worked as a tent maker. Paul had tent making skills, but in those days, tent making was manual labor. And in the Corinthian society, manual labor was looked down on. People looked down their nose at people who worked manually. And so, people were saying, Maybe Paul is not really an apostle since he's doing this lowly work and he's supporting himself because true apostles and other religious leaders coming through our area, are, they're supported by others. They're making a living. So why, if Paul's being a tent maker, maybe he's not really an apostle. So Paul says, he starts off saying, am I not free? Am I not free to take a lowly job if I want to? He says, hey, I am an apostle. He says, am I not free? I can, do, I can do this if I want. I can give up my rights. I'm free to give up my rights. But I am an apostle. He says, have I not seen Jesus the Lord? Which was one of the signs of a genuine apostle in those days. He had seen Jesus several times. In the book of Acts, Acts 9.17, right after Paul's conversion, it says, So Ananias departed and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you. 
on the road by which you came has sent me. And then in Acts chapter 18, verse 19, it says, And the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, Do not be afraid, but go on speaking and do not be silent. And in Acts 23.11, when Paul was later in Jerusalem, it says, The following night the Lord stood by him and said, Take courage, for as you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, so you must testify also in Rome. Paul had seen Jesus Christ with his own eyes several times. He says, Corinthians, I'm an apostle. Don't let this fact that I'm lowering myself, taking common work as a tent maker, don't make you think that I'm not an apostle because people were challenging Paul's apostleship. And he's going to make a point here that even though he's got this, quote, status or this calling as an apostle, he's willing to lay down his rights to serve others. And so, but he wants to defend his apostleship a little more. So he says, are not you my workmanship in the Lord? If to others I'm not an apostle, at least I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. Paul says, hey, you Corinthians, you believe in Jesus because I came to you as an apostle and preached the Gospel and your lives have been changed. The proof is in the pudding. I, I am an apostle because you're changed. You can see it. You know that. He says, if, if I'm not to others, I am to you anyway. And then he gives a defense as to why he has every right to be supported in his ministry. He says, this is my defense to those who would examine me in this thing. He says, do we not have the right to eat and drink? Do we not have the right to take along a believing wife as do the other apostles and the brothers of the Lord and Cephas, who was Peter? Or is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from working for a living? Who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard without eating any of its fruit? Who, or who tends a flock without getting some of the milk? So what Paul is saying is, he says, Barnabas and I, we have a right to support. We have the right to eat and drink. We have the right, if we were married, to take along believing wives and be supported. Other apostles were doing that. They were supported in their ministry and their wives were traveling with them. And he, he says, the, including the brothers of the Lord and Peter himself. And so he says, Barnabas and I have a right to be supported just like Peter and all the other apostles. He says, in the world, people get paid for what they do. He says, soldiers don't serve at their own expense. He says, you plant a vineyard, you get some of its fruit. you got a right to expect that from your work. You tend a flock, you get some of the milk. So he said, it would be totally right. He says, it's totally right for those who preach the Gospel to be supported. And he goes on and says, even the Old Testament supports this. And so in verse 8, he says, do I say these things on human authority? Does not the law even say the same thing? He says, for it's written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. Is it for oxen that God is concerned? Does He not certainly speak for our sake? It was written for our sake because the plowman should plow in hope and the thresher thresh in hope. My notes are totally blank. 
Good thing I have another copy. I hope they're not blank. <laughs> That's the first time that ever happened to me. Otherwise, I'll have to memorize my messages. So, he says, Does he certainly speak for our sake? It was written for our sake because the plowman should plow in hope and the thresher thresh in hope of sharing a crop. If we have sown spiritual things among you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? If others share this rightful claim, see it's a rightful claim to be supported in the ministry, he says, do not we even more. Now Paul says, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. What one man said, that a commentator said, this law was commanding the humane treatment of a working animal. And in those days, grain would be broken away from the husk by having an ox walk on it repeatedly, usually in a circle. And he says it would be cruel to have the ox walk on the grain and then not let it eat any of it. But Paul says, is, did God make that law just for oxen? No. No. He said it's, it's for our sake. Because the plowman should plow in hope and the thresher thresh in hope of sharing the crop. Paul says, pay people for their work. When you work, you have a right to, to get paid for it. And he says that's true for those who preach and teach the Gospel. He says, if we have sown spiritual things among you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? If others share this rightful claim on you, do not we even more? And then Paul says, nevertheless, we have not made use of this right but we endure anything rather than put an obstacle in the way of the Gospel of Christ. Paul says we don't want to do anything. We don't want to do anything that would hinder the Gospel. We would rather we'd endure anything rather than put a, an obstacle in the way of people coming to believe in Jesus. And so Paul is saying, if anyone thinks I'm in this for the money, and it keeps them from believing in Jesus, then I don't want any money for this. I'll make tents. I'll sew tents. And he talks, and he goes on, and he t talks a little more about the right to support. In verse 13, he says, Do you not know that those who are employed in the temple service get their food from the temple? And those who, share at the, who serve at the altar share in the sacrificial offerings in the same way. The Lord commanded that those who proclaim the Gospel should get their living by the Gospel. Paul says that's totally right. That's good to do. That's, if, if you're able to do that, if you're able to support people, it, it certainly makes it easier. The fact that you guys give so generously and make it possible for Joe and Bob and I to do this full time, it, it has many advantages for the church if we had to work full-time as well as try to do this. So it's right, Paul says, it's, 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 it's good to do that. The Lord has commanded it that those who proclaim the Gospel should get their living by, by the Gospel. But Paul says, i got a right to it. I have a right to be supported, but I won't use that right. 
in verse 15, he says, I have made no use of any of these rights, nor am I writing these things to secure any such provision. I would ra- for I would rather die than have anyone deprive me of my ground for boasting. Now, when Paul says boasting here, it doesn't mean he's proud of himself. It doesn't mean he's bragging. Well, I don't work. I mean, I, I don't take support. I'm a tent. No, he's not bragging. By boasting, it means this is what he glories in. This is what delights him. He is so happy to be able to do this. He's saying, this is what makes me glad. This is what makes me glad that I can offer the Gospel free of charge. He says, I have the right to make a living from it, but I do it for others. Now, he's making a whole big point here, going back to the last chapter, of we all should give up our rights for the sake of others. So he goes back to chapter 8 and you're thinking, give up this right to eat meat in temples. I give up my right for support. And this is my joy to do this. It's my joy to give up my rights for others. That's the whole point. This is what I glory in. And then in verse 16 he says, for if I preach the Gospel, that gives me no ground for boasting. For necessity is laid upon me. Woe to me if I do not preach the Gospel. Paul says, if I preach the Gospel, I'm just doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm just doing what God commissioned me to do on the road to Damascus. He says, necessity is laid upon me. Jesus commanded me to preach the Gospel. So, that, if I'm just doing what I'm supposed to do, That doesn't give me any ground for glorying in that. And he says, in fact, if I don't, woe to me. If I disobey Jesus and don't preach the Gospel. But then verse 17, he says, for if I do this of my own will, if I serve without demanding support, I have a reward. But if not of my own will, I'm still entrusted with a stewardship. He says, If I do it because I have to, it's because I've been entrusted with this from God. But he says, if I do it of my own will, I have a reward. He says, well, what is my reward? What then is my reward? Verse 18, that in my preaching I may present the Gospel free of charge so as not to make full use of my right in the Gospel. See, there it is. I have a right to be supported, but my joy is to lay down my rights. For the sake of others. That's the whole point he's driving at. All of us. It's our joy to lay down what we could say is our rights. Paul says, I've got a right to support. But it's my joy. I have a right to this time to myself. But it's my joy to lay down my time to serve others. I have a right to sit in the meeting every week and listen to the Gospel preached and the, the message preached. But I'm going to lay that down and serve from time to time in children's ministry. See, we, we want to be a people who lay down our rights. It's not about rights as a believer. It's about serving others. What's our reward? It's not about our rights. 
Paul says it wouldn't be wrong to claim my right for support, but here's what's so rewarding to me, presenting the gospel free of charge to show unbelievers this good news is so good, I don't need to be paid to share it. And Paul is not saying what Peter and the brothers of the Lord and all them were doing was wrong. He said, no, that's totally fine. But for me, he's saying, this is my reward. This is what I glory in. Presenting the Gospel. So back to food sacrificed to idols. Yeah, it's not a sin to eat meat in an idol temple knowing that there's no such thing as idols. But give it up. Give it up. Lay it down for others. Now our ultimate example, we sang about it this morning. The ultimate example of laying down rights is Jesus. He loves us so much. He loved you so much. He loves me so much. He laid down His rights in a sense. And so Philippians 2, 3-8 says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Which is what Jesus did. None of us are more significant than Jesus. He's God. He's the Creator of the universe. Eternal, infinite, glorious God. But He counted us as more important than Himself. And He laid down His life. It says, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. That's what it's all about. When we come on a Sunday morning, when we meet in fellowship group, when we get together with other Christians, we should pray, Jesus, help me look to the interests of others. Help me care more about others than about myself. Help me count others as more important than myself. Have this mind among yourselves. That's the mindset we're to have. Which is yours in Christ Jesus. Who though He was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. So He didn't grasp His rights. He didn't grasp, hey, I'm God! But He emptied Himself. He humbled Himself. Taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, He humbled Himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. And that's what Paul was doing. Paul was humbling himself for the sake of others. Paul was taking this humble job as a tent maker for the sake of others so that he could present the Gospel free of charge so people could say, this guy is an apostle. This guy has seen the Lord Jesus. This guy has worked miracles that we have seen. This guy has led hundreds and hundreds of us to the Lord, and yet he is taking this humble job so that nothing will stand in the way of the Gospel. So for the sake of others, we give up our rights. Now for the sake of others, Paul became the servant of all. Verses 19-23, through 23, he says, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. See, that's, that, that should be our mindset, and that is our mindset, and we want that to be our mindset as a church. 
I want to be a servant to all that I might win more of them. So on the, on the 3rd of July, when, when we're making food and giving food away, when, when, when we're watching kids bounce in the bouncing houses, when we're doing whatever we're doing, when we're going out and welcoming people and reaching out to people, what we're trying to do is I'm, we, we're trying to be servants to all so that we might win more. And then Paul says, To the Jews I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak I became weak that I might win the weak. I've become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the Gospel that I may share with them in its blessings. So he says, I have made myself a servant to all. Paul knew that Jesus had fulfilled all the Old Testament ceremonies of the law and various rituals. But to, in order to win others, in Acts 21, verses 23-26, through 26, Paul went through the Jewish purification ceremonies. Paul didn't say, hey, I don't have to do this. Jesus fulfilled all this. No, Paul went through these Jewish rituals so that he could get an open door with the Jews. He wasn't clinging to his rights. He, made, he says, I made myself a servant to all. In Acts chapter 16, verse 3, Paul had Timothy circumcised. Again, not because it was necessary, but in order to open doors with the Jews. And then he says, when I'm with the Gentiles, those outside the law, he says, I'm not going to observe all the rituals of the Old Testament law because Jesus fulfilled the law. Gentiles don't need these things. So he... He, he didn't act like he did around, around the Jews by going through all the purification rites. When he was with Gentiles, he, was, he acted differently. Now, he didn't commit sin to win them. So, one man said this. Well, he's, first of all, Paul says, to the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the Gospel that I may share with them in its blessings. And one man says, Paul sought to win people to Jesus Christ by being sensitive to their needs and identifying with them. Really like that. We should try to reach people where they are today and expect to see changes later. Sensitive, he became sensitive to their needs and identified with them. This is so good for us to think about. Remember, Paul said if someone had a weak conscience and thought it was wrong to eat meat, then Paul wouldn't eat meat. This brother's weak, so Paul says, To the weak, I became weak. So if this, guy, if this guy's conscience is weak and he won't eat meat, I'm not going to eat meat around him. I'm not going to eat meat. Because I want to become, to the weak, I want to become weak. And so I've just been 
thinking about this, especially as I worked on this, study this. We want to welcome and embrace all kind of people. We want to welcome the broken, the struggling, the weak, people who aren't like us, people who don't, you know, pe- people who don't have their lives together. There's a place in this church. In fact, none of us have all our lives together. If you have your life together, you're in the wrong church. (laughs) Do you struggle to overcome sin? Do you struggle to believe the good news of Jesus? I, I, I really appreciated Zan this morning coming up, saying how during that song, Good, Good Father, you know, she's thinking... How can God be good? There's so many people suffering. There's so many. And I said to her, I said, I, I think there's probably a lot of people in this church who would be thinking that as we're singing this song. And yet singing it knowing that, that God is good, but yet how can God be good? Struggling. Yeah, that, we struggle. We want to welcome people struggling. We don't want to judge others out of our strength. <laughs> My, my dad was such a great guy, but at times he, he couldn't understand how people could have certain struggles. Like he said, yeah, I smoked cigarettes for 20 years, and one day I just decided to quit, and bang, I never smoked another cigarette in my life. I don't see why people have such a hard time quitting smoking. <laughs> I said, Dad, it, it was real hard for me to quit chewing and smoking. and I had a real hard time with it. I don't see why everybody has such a hard time. You just make up your mind and you quit. <laughs> you know, we, we want to be compassionate. We want to, un, we want to, how can you not believe God is good? No, we want, to, we want to, to the weak. I became weak. We want to welcome all people. We, you know, none of us have our acts together. There's, we're all going to have some areas of weakness. We don't want to ever look down on someone out of our own strengths because somebody could look down on us out of their strengths. We want to welcome everyone. If, you feel, if, you, if you've come here this morning and you feel like your faith is about that big, we're so glad you're here. We're so glad you're here. We want to do all we can to support you, but we, we've all been there. And many of us still struggle to have faith. Isaiah 42.3 says, A bruised reed he will not break, and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. The NIV says, A smoldering wick. Maybe you feel like your faith is a smoldering wick. Maybe you feel like you're just a faintly burning... Your faith is just barely going. Well, Jesus won't quench it. Maybe you feel like I'm a bruised reed through what I've been through in my life. Well, we, we welcome bruised reeds. We welcome faintly burning wicks. And then Paul finally goes on. He says, for the sake of others, he disciplined himself. Doesn't mean he punished himself. It means he pursued discipline. Why? For the sake of others. Paul says, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, 
but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Now, I always read this passage and I just thought, well, Paul is talking about disciplining himself for the purpose of following Jesus in, in order for heavenly rewards and things like that. And that, that is true. That's part of it. But in context, he's talking about he disciplines himself for the sake of others. And he says, I discipline my body and keep it under control lest after preaching to others... See, Paul's, this whole chapter is Paul thinking of giving up your rights, sacrificing and disciplining ourselves for others' sake. So he says, I discipline my body and keep it under control. And one commentator I read said the word discipline there in the Greek means to strike under the eye, to give a black eye. That doesn't mean Paul's beating himself. It just means he's very strict with himself. And to keep it under control has the idea of leading his body around like a slave. And Paul says, I, I use the mindset of an athlete. And in those days, sports were every bit as big, if not bigger, than nowadays. The, the discipline of athletes was incredible. Me being the athlete that I am, I can relate to that. I did run a half marathon once. Well, I walked it and jogged it, sort of. But I did actually finish it right in front of a lady pushing a baby carriage. Um, but just that exercise and discipline, that small amount that I, I had to train. I mean, I understand what Paul's saying. Someone who has a discipline in any field, whether it's music or whatever, they, they, they practice they think about it. They, they restrict themselves in order to do this. And Paul says, I discipline myself like an athlete for the sake of others. So many others know. People know that I proclaim Jesus. People know that I proclaim the Gospel. See, he says, lest after preaching to others, I be disqualified. So what he's saying is, I, I want my life to match my words. Do our lives match our words? Paul's saying, I don't want to fall into sin. I don't want to give in to, into habits that will lead me into sin lest I, my, my witness for Jesus be disqualifying. I, I'm, I'm doing this for the sake of others. Paul would say, after I've preached the Gospel, after I've proclaimed Jesus Christ, if I were to now fall into this serious sin, the Corinthians would say, oh, right, yeah, everything Paul's saying about Jesus giving us the power to overcome sin, right, that's true. I mean, think of all of the people who have turned away from possibly following Jesus because of the hypocrisy of Christians because of the hypocrisy of pastors at times. Oh, please pray for us pastors. Please pray for this church. Pray. I, 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 please pray, Lord, deliver us from temptation. Deliver us from evil. Lord, 
I know a pastor. It's sad. I know a pastor, 25 years leading a church, and then he was caught by police soliciting a prostitute. And I just think, 25 years, or however long it was, all those messages, Sunday after Sunday, wasted. And I, I just think, oh Lord, we're all capable of any sin. I want, I want to do whatever I can do. I want to pray. I want to seek to flee temptation. I, I, and, and not just for me, and not just for us pastors, but for all of us. You know, what, if, if you sin after preaching the gospel to your children, after telling your children they should believe in Jesus, and you don't discipline yourself, and you don't pray, and you don't seek to be holy, and you're, you're giving in to sin, and your children see that and know that, what's that going to say about what we believe? It's for the sake of others. Obviously, it's for our relationship with Jesus Christ. But I, we, we, we want to remind ourselves. I think, oh, Lord, if I give in to this, what's that going to do to the church? Lord, if I give in to this, what would this do? What would this say to my children? So, let us discipline ourselves for the sake of others. And, how do we do that? Well, not just fleeing sin, that's certainly part of it, but there are, are positive disciplines, spiritual disciplines that, that the Bible says like regular, regular Bible intake, regularly reading, listening to Scripture, regular Bible intake is one of the, it's, it's the, the, one of the best disciplines. Psalm 119, how does a young man keep his way pure? By, by doing it according to Your Word. By following Your Word, Lord. That's a, not an exact quote. But it's, it's the Word of God that keeps us pure. The spiritual discipline of prayer. Every day, all through the day, praying, Jesus, help me to follow You. Help me to love You. Help me to serve this person. Give me strength to do this. It's thankfulness. I would just encourage the spiritual discipline of thankfulness. It says in the, in the Bible, numerous places, in everything, give thanks. Give thanks at all times and always. If you give thanks to God, that will do so much for your spiritual life. Fellowship with other believers. That's another way. Fellowship. And then generosity. Being generous with your life. Generous with your time. Generous with your money. Giving to the kingdom. Giving to the poor giving to the Syrian refugees, those things are positive disciplines that will help us to follow Jesus till the end. So, for the sake of others, for the sake of others, that's what it's all about. Let us, number one, give up our rights. Become the servant of all and discipline ourselves. We need Jesus' help, don't we? <laughs> we can't do this in our own strength. So I, I'm not calling us to do this, you know, let's just tighten up and let's just get hard and let's just give up. Let's do this in our own strength. I, couldn't, I can't even begin to do these things in my own strength. I regularly 
And I encourage you, we must regularly say, Jesus, give me the grace to do this. Give me the grace to serve this person. Give me the grace to not demand this right. Give me the grace to defeat, to to flee this temptation. Give me the grace, Lord. We need Jesus' help, and He is waiting to help us. He is waiting. He is anxiously waiting to help us in everything we need. So let's pray. Oh Lord, this is an awful lot that we just took in this morning. Jesus, and we confess that we are very weak, Lord, but You are strong. Lord, we thank You that You are our refuge and our strength. And so, Lord, we ask You to give us the strength and the desire to regularly give up our rights whatever they may be, whatever we may feel we have a right, Lord, for the sake of others. Jesus, please help us to become the servant of all. Lord, may each one of us seek to be the biggest servant we know, but we need your help. You are the ultimate servant, Jesus, and we ask for your help to become servants. And Lord, we ask you to help us to discipline ourselves Help us to flee sin. Help us to follow you with all our hearts. And Lord, it's all for your glory and all for the sake of others. And we just ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen.